0: Hi, I'm Mark Orenshaw from Newsdata. Our skilled journalists spend hundreds of hours each week researching, writing, and editing content for our energy newsletters. For independent, expert coverage of Western U.S. electric and natural gas issues, visit newsdata.com for your free trial subscription. Broadband. We need it for work and for school, for our health and our economy. What's being done to bring broadband internet access within reach of every American? Let's talk about it now on Rural Broadband Today. Here's your host, Stephen Smith.
1: And thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Rural Broadband Today. I am not Stephen Smith, this is Andy John substituting um, as the podcast host for Stephen here at the Fiber Connect 2021 conference from the Fiber Broadband Association. Today, we're taking a look at the people and issues shaping the rural broadband story, and I'm excited to have you join us. My guest today is Kara Mullally, who is the Market Development Manager for Corning. Thanks for joining me, Kara. Thanks for having me. We are here uh, once again uh, with the episode here at the epicenter of the Rural Broadband Universe this week, which is the Fiber Connect Conference, Fiber Connect 2021 from the Fiber Broadband Association. It's been a good conference.
0: It's been an amazing conference. Record attendance and just the energy is amazing compared to what, uh, what we've seen in prior conferences.
1: I think everybody's so excited to, uh, to get out and, and see people again, it's, it's been really good to see. I want to be sure that we have time to talk about uh, some of what you have seen and heard from folks uh, at the conference, but I wanted to start off with the session uh, that you were a part of today, and I like the, the name of the session, it was called Rural Electric Utilities Choose Their Own Broadband Adventure. Tell me a little bit about the idea, uh, where you all came up with the idea for that session, and uh, for the folks who weren't able to attend, tell us uh, some of the highlights.
0: Sure, the idea really came about when we were asked, you know, call for papers, sure. as many uh, many conferences do, and there have been so many disparate builds that electrical cooperatives or uh, municipal-owned electricity providers have built over the years, and with all the new federal funding that started to look like it was gonna go in that direction and now new funding with the LIFT Act uh, that might push even more money towards the states and these smaller rural operators. We thought it would be a good opportunity to showcase there isn't one way to build a network. There are a multitude of ways to build a network and there is no one size fits all. And so we um, pitched the idea of a panel session where we could bring different operators and integrators that can share some of those uh, disparate perspectives on why they build a network, the way they built it, how it's going, Uh, what they would do differently. And so it was really great. We had um, one of our integrator uh, partners in the ecosystem, Fujitsu. So uh, Rick Delisle was there and he has several ongoing projects, whether they be Middle Mile or or Access Networks that he spoke to, but then the operators, Aaron Young from Trico Connections and Leslie Blevins from uh, Bristol, Tennessee, Essential services, which is a municipal-owned right, operator, right. shared their perspectives, which was great. Excellent.
1: So, and you know, like you said, there are different ways to do it, uh, but some somewhere along the path, it's going to be a little bit a little bit of an adventure uh, to build a fiber network like it's this. It's always
0: an adventure. Um, you know, even when you think you have it all nailed down, there's going to be something that comes up that deviates the plan and. You have to always prepare for the unexpected. I think one of the things that we're trying to coach people through and just maybe open the aperture up so that they pay attention to is you're not building a network for five or 10 years from now, you're building a network for the next 50. And so make sure that you're taking into consideration all the potential use cases down the road while you're building today's network as affordably as you can, as quickly as you can. Um, but not with blinders on, so that you build something that you then, you know, regret later.
1: Sure, sure. Now you guys had pretty good audience participation in the session. Uh, what were some of the main things, I guess, a that you wanted folks to uh, to know, and then what were some of the things that they were they were asking, and, and some of the feedback you got from the audience?
0: I think that one of the things we wanted them to know is that it's okay not to know everything. That's big. That it's huge, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't know what you don't know and you're unwilling to seek out the information, that's one of the great things Fiber Broadband Association does is help to educate folks uh, to the things that they may not inherently know. And so that that was first and foremost. Like, specifics aside, um, just educate. And some of the questions were really around um, whether or not people were achieving the... Uh, payback, that yes. was one of the questions, right? Okay. Is the network getting paid back at the level you expected that or the pace that, that you expected? Um, but aside from that, how how to manage customer expectations came up, that was a theme across several of the panelists too because you know it's one thing to come in and wave the flag and say, we're bringing fiber and getting everybody jazzed and then they find out that it's not coming down their street for three and a half years, right? Or even longer. Or even longer. And so it's, you know, it's deflating and you don't want to disappoint your end user um, base. And so that was one of the themes as well that that came across. But, you know, find partners, educate yourself, look at the different technologies. It's not a one size fit all. Those were kind of the main things.
1: Excellent, excellent. as you've gone around the conference and it's been a really good couple of days here, uh, what are some of the other things that, that you've heard? Obviously, your your session was, um, I think, perfectly fit the, the audience. There are a lot of electric co-op folks here who are, are either in the broadband business or getting into it or thinking about getting into it. What are some of the other topics that you've seen and, and heard folks discussing either in the sessions or out in the hallways this week?
0: I think a lot of the additional conversation has been around public policy, right, all, all of the different funding vehicles, uh, there's been a lot of chatter about private equity, uh, and how much money you can get if you can't get it from the government, you can probably get it elsewhere. So funding is no longer the roadblock to a lot of projects at this point, it's, you know, access to labor. And not just people that dig ditches and hang the cable and splice the cable, but folks that can help you design the network, who can help you architect um, the right vision for your company. Uh, some of these electrical co-ops, in particular, you know, legislatively have the shackles removed in some states now to be their own ISP. Right. So there's been a lot of, you know, okay, now that I'm allowed how
1: no what yeah what next right right.
0: so that that's been fun um to, to witness because this show three four years ago you would have had headliners talking about you know tier one operators and their ex you know exclusively built network and to have some of the main stage stuff be about open access networks it's just a huge shift for the industry
1: definitely now, one of the things that, with that, you know, there's so much attention right now being paid to um, rural bro- rural broadband in particular. There's, you know, as you mentioned, lots of government funding out there, which has gotten a lot of people interested. Corning is a company, obviously, that's been in uh, in the space for a long time, um, and and the leader uh, for fiber. What do you think it is that folks don't understand about um, rural broadband? Maybe maybe folks who are new to the scene. What is it do you think that people don't understand about uh, about rural broadband and how complicated of a problem it is
0: yeah just because it says rural doesn't mean um, that vision that pops into somebody's head is all that is the problem so it's not just expansive farmlands where its residences only you might have opportunities where there's large industrial parks and some of these farms are highly sophisticated and so Assuming that a standard pond circuit or you know a hundred meg circuit is going to be sufficient might not be uh, even in the rural. The other thing that we've seen is that you know the scope creep of urban areas into suburbia isn't really stopping. And now that we've had the pandemic and all these folks have moved away because uh, they didn't have to stay in their urban apartments or right. suburbia. More and more people are probably going to work from home. They're going to want to choose to stay in the countryside wherever they bedded down for the last 15, 18 months. And so the demands are only going to grow, I think, in the rural areas, in the the lesser populated areas for quality of life concerns. Um, But the other piece is we talk a lot about rural, but we don't talk about remote. Remote is also a problem not just rural. So you might have a very densely populated area that just happens to be 25 or 30 miles from a good robust backbone. And so getting to them is the cost prohibitive thing, not once you're there, right? It might be a really good business case in the town, it's just getting to the town that is the the problem. Some of the funding doesn't really address that very well. so there's that remote aspect that I think people need to start putting into their vernacular.
1: Kara, as we're wrapping up here, last thing, was there anything that, that I didn't ask that I should have or anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up here?
0: I would just say that, you know, there's been a lot of talk and concern about the lack of potential skilled labor. The Fiber Broadband Association, Corning's been a part of uh, looking at a technician training apprenticeship program. Excellent. And so... Pay attention to that. If uh, if you're a listener out there, there's going to be some more information coming soon on the Fiber Broadband website, and we really need more folks interested in uh, sharing their knowledge, and that's a hard thing to do when you're busy trying to do the things.
1: And there are a lot of busy people here. A lot
0: of busy people, but, uh, but education is going to be key to it all.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you for listening to Rural Broadband Today, where we take a look at the people and the issues shaping the rural broadband story across America. I'm your host, Andy Johns, filling in for Stephen Smith, and this program is produced by WordSouth, a content marketing company, an affiliation with Pioneer Utility Resources. Please share this episode with your network and help us tell the rural broadband story. Thank you for listening.
0: Rural Broadband Today is a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company.